Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine and I will share with you their stories, their expertise and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Phillips. Elizabeth is a neuropharmacologist and functional medicine practitioner, and today we're diving into the world of phytocannabinoids, including CBD and their role in health and disease. So, without further ado, Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hi there, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're so welcome, and I'm so happy that we had the chance to connect through our mutual friend, Rob. Absolutely. I know it's quite fortuitous, isn't it, to uh, have these connections throughout the uh, integrative medicine world. It's very much everyone knows everyone, it seems, right now. Yes, absolutely. How how are you finding it um, in these unusual times that we're currently in? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been quite a year, hasn't it? Um, I mean, you know, on a sort of a a work front, in many ways, things haven't changed because I work from home a lot anyway um, with my consultancy and and clinical work. Um, But uh, yeah, obviously, there's been massive changes for people's health and uh, also the education side as well. So most things have gone online. Um, So yeah, it's been absolutely fine, really. Fantastic. It's good to hear that you're flourishing. So jumping ahead straight in, cannabidiol also abbreviated to CBD, is one of the many chemicals found in cannabis. It'd be great to know from you what CBD is, and I think more importantly for the general population and the public, um, what it isn't. That's a really good question because there are a lot of myths around and I think it is very confusing, isn't it, Ben? So CBD, as you say, cannabidiol is a type of phytocannabinoid or plant cannabinoid found in the hemp plant. And uh, hemp is a member of the cannabis family. Uh, In particular, it's the strain cannabis sativa or sativa L. So CBD is taking the food supplement world by storm and uh, health areas by storm because it's been found to have a lot of of benefits and potential actions within the body. Um, But what it isn't, and this is very important, is that it isn't the other phytocannabinoid, which is THC or tetrahydrocannabinol. And THC, you may be familiar with, is the cannabinoid, the phytocannabinoid that uh, has psychoactive components. So really what that means is it's the the, the cannabinoid that gets you high. Um, So it's a very important distinction. So CBD is legal in the UK. Um, CBD is also legal in the sports world as well. It's uh, not on the banned substance list for the World Anti-Doping Agency or WADA. Um, whereas THC is. Um, So THC is present in medicinal cannabis, uh, for example, but that's why medicinal cannabis requires a license and is a Schedule II drug now. Um, So as I say, CBD is legal. It's a phytocannabinoid that interacts at a number of different systems and levels in our body and can have a whole host of of benefits uh, and positive outcomes. Clinically speaking, the main ones are on mood, so like anxiety and depression, also pain, um, very good at reducing inflammation and pain and uh, promoting sleep, better quality sleep as well. So we've really got this plant-based nutrient uh, found in hemp, um, which is extracted into oils or maybe into topical rubs or, or joint gels, for example, um, that can actually you know, really provide clinical benefit. 
Fantastic. Well, all those benefits sound absolutely astonishing and too good to be true in some instances, but a lot can be said for the same, some other chemicals and phytochemicals as well, such as curcumin, which is often touted as, you know, the king of, king of the kind of herbal supplements. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I am the first to say that there is still clinical evidence is playing catch up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not touting this in any way as a sort of a a wonder cure. Uh, We are very much integrative medicine practitioners. Uh, You know, I am one as well, functional medicine practitioner. And so this is very much part of any program. And it's not a a cure-all on its own in, in any form. But what I would say is that we quite often we don't neglect, we just don't understand how it works in the body and the endocannabinoid system, which is the main system where where it kind of interacts. So it's almost like another tool is how I see CBD, another tool in our toolkit uh, as practitioners, as clinicians, uh, as as to use as part of a sort of dietary and lifestyle and food supplement program. Because you seem to wear many different hats in your day-to-day life. And I I wondered, where did your interest in CBD begin? Because it's quite unusual, I think, these days. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So my original training is in biomedical science, and then I specialized in neuroscience. So I did my PhD in quite specific areas uh, in the brain, looking at uh, certain types of glutamate uh, receptor assembly, in, and then ultimately how this is broken down in, in processes such as neurodegeneration are found in Alzheimer's disease in particular. So I've always had a real interest in what goes on in the brain and uh, what, what goes in on in the body. And then through my own health experiences, I, I went on and, and studied nutrition and uh, nutritional medicine and sort of really putting all that together what I noticed about three years ago when I was, uh, you know, sort of in clinic um, was this sort of boom in CBD, you know, and, and, and what is it? And, and, you know, really, you know, why is it going to be of any benefit to you know, myself and, uh, and to my clients? But actually, the more I read, the more I realized we didn't understand anything about the system that it mainly worked in, the endocannabinoid mm-hmm. system. So being a research scientist, I just, you know, researched and researched and researched because I just love, you know, this sort of fascinating, you know, the, the idea that we've got this system in our body that's relatively newly discovered in the early 1990s. And it just makes so much sense because it links, it's almost like an interface between the central nervous system and the immune system is one of its many roles. So I just gained a really big interest and, uh, and then it makes sense with my neuropharmacology background to be you know, involved in the medicinal cannabis and the CBD worlds. So that's sort of really the last three to five years. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. That's incredibly interesting. And I actually saw a recent, relatively recent post on Instagram by you looking at the endocannabinoid system and it's grown in role in immunomodulation I believe yeah absolutely so I do a whole host of you know education webinars and 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 conferences and talks and the like because that's one of my sort of big passions is to really sort of promote better understanding of CBD and the endocannabinoid system so you know what I was looking at on that particular webinar um, was the sort of modulation uh, of the immune system within the brain and the central nervous system because whilst the inflammatory mediators, uh, pro-inflammatory mediators, are quite similar or the same, um, it's actually quite interesting that the brain and the nervous system has its own immune system. Uh, so uh, so yeah, so the webinar was sort of based around a, a little bit more understanding in that area. And people can find the, the webinars on NutriHub if if you're interested in seeing any recordings. So NutriHub. Brilliant. I'll link to that in the show notes for the listeners also. Um, Is that endocannabinoid system present in all of us? And when I say that, what I mean is, is there a different endocannabinoid receptor density in different people and also between different sexes? 
Well, that's a really great question, uh, actually. So first of all, yes, we all have an endocannabinoid system and uh, it's not something that's just sort of popped up. And, you know, in the last sort of few decades, we've just developed one. Actually, sea urchins and starfish all have endocannabinoid systems. So this is an evolutionary system, you know, one that yeah. has evolved, uh, you know, really to, to keep us going, you know, right from <laughs> right from the beginning. Um, but it was only really, as I say, discovered in, uh, in the early 1990s when uh, researchers were looking uh, at the the targets of THC actually you know why was THC having the action that, that it did in the body and, and in the brain um, so it, it's a very interesting that, that it's it's so newly discovered but I think that's because it's very diffuse and you can't visualize it uh, as beautifully as you can the cardiovascular system or the nervous system when you see all those beautiful images uh, that, that uh, you can find in medical texts it's really a series of receptors and enzymes and our body's own chemical mediators the endocannabinoids so it's the fact that it's diffuse, I think it's kind of been sort of misunderstood or overlooked quite often. But in terms of density, you know, we all have certainly the CB1 and CB2 receptors, which are the ones that are known about at the moment. There are other targets as well that CBD works at in the body. So uh, there are other potential putative CB receptors, cannabinoid receptors. And, you know, certainly there's going to be changes. Uh, and, you know, there's one very interesting study actually showing that lifestyle can really impact the levels of CB1 receptors in particular. And we find CB1 receptors particularly concentrated in the brain and the central nervous system, though also throughout other organs in the body. It's the CB2 receptors that tend to be distributed throughout um, sort of gut, the spleen, the kidneys, the lungs, and the heart, you know, many other different areas. And in stress, chronic stress, the study shows, a 2018 study, that cortisol, actually high cortisol levels, chronically raised cortisol levels, uh, down-regulates CB1 receptors in the brain. And so, you know, I think what that tells us is that, you know, our endocannabinoid system is very sensitive to our lifestyles, to what's going on in our bodies. So we have the ability to regulate the density, I guess, if you want as well to, to put it like that. So, so yes, you know, there, there will be differences, um, you know, between individuals and, uh, and between groups, um, but we also have the ability to, to manage that. Okay, that's, that's fascinating. And I guess, just from listening to you, that would make sense why people use CBD in instances where they are stressed chronically, or even just acutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I say, the, the sort of CBD, because it, it seems too good to be true, because it kind of hits all of these, these points, um, and very, you know, sort of prevalent health conditions as well. But there's no doubt that the CBD, uh, you know, has the potential to, to really work in instances of, of acute and chronic stress um, as well. And I, I see that through uh, patients of mine when, you know, we're looking either in a, a sort of a short term acute setting, you know, maybe with um, you know, sort of certainly in sports area that I work in, sports injuries, stress around uh, you know, match anxiety, for example, and performance anxiety through to people with, you know, longer term, you know, stressful conditions, you know, as well, you know, maybe arthritis, chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, that, you know, whole host of areas just, just to name. So yes, absolutely. You know, I think as, again, as part of a toolkit, you know, CBD has the potential to balance our endocannabinoid system, which is, you know, really important for homeostasis, 
you know, it helps our body sense and perceive changes and, you know, helps the body to write itself. Because after all, Ben, we know the body wants to be well. You know, that's its default setting, isn't it? You know, I say that to all of my patients, you know, your body knows how to be well. We just need to nudge it or maybe push it in quite a way to get back to that point. So being the endocannabinoid system being involved in that homeostatic balance and the perception of the body is, you know, therefore using CBD has the potential to, to really help in areas of stress and, and other areas. So in terms of um, what CBD does from a physiological level, um, does it regulate things like hormonal activity? You've touched upon cortisol and the CB1 receptor, but does taking CBD modulate how cortisol is produced or maybe how it's broken down? So, you know, as I said, the endocannabinoid system is is diffuse. It's, you can mm-hmm. find the CB1, uh, CB2 receptors sort of spread throughout different organs in the body, but different cells in the body as well. So it's it's highly prevalent in immune cells, mast cells, for example, express CB2 receptors, uh, various phagocytes, you know, astrocytes within the, the, the central nervous system. So, you know, really, you know, the, the potential to, to regulate hormone. In terms of sort of breaking down cortisol, I, I don't think it, it's kind of necessarily along that pathway. It's more about, you know, how the cells are responding to cortisol and, and you know, the, the, the balance in, in that area um, is a, probably a more sort of appropriate understanding of, of how sort of the endocannabinoid system is working. When you mentioned astrocytes there, because astrocytes are prevalent in the brain and spinal cord or the central nervous system i should say how does it modulate them does it downregulate? so or maybe you can answer that question rather than me guessing <laughs> <laughs> no guess away yes. <laughs> no, um, so astrocytes uh yes as you say i mean they used to be known as brain glue um yeah. and certainly back in in back in the day when i was doing my phd um astrocytes were kind of seen as scaffolding uh, within the uh, within the central nervous system and uh, and within the brain in particular um but they're now known to be so much more um, and you know they're not just scaffolding but they're again they're kind of environmental sensors so what's CBD is doing. So probably if I just backtrack a moment as well, CBD doesn't directly interact with the CB1 and CB2 receptors. And so this is another reason why I like CBD so much. It's a very elegant plant nutrient. What it's doing is it's balancing the body's own endocannabinoids because it blocks the enzyme, uh, the FAR enzyme, fatty acid uh, amide hydrolase enzyme, and that is the enzyme that breaks down anandamide, which is one of our body's own endocannabinoids. And anandamide is Sanskrit for bliss, which I think is a, a lovely name for a molecule in the body. Yeah, you know, we have known for thousands of years, obviously, what, what this is doing. We've just not understood you know, how it's done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what CBD does is it, it prevents the breakdown of anandamide. So anandamide is then at better levels, higher levels, so is able to then trigger the responses in, in the endocannabinoid system. So what CBD is doing sort of around astrocytes, uh, you know, in particular, um, and uh, the, the sort of the immune response within the brain is that it's, uh, you know, sort of providing that balance so that, so that there is a better sort of sensing. And, and you know, ultimately, if there is a, a, a sort of a, a level where the cells aren't primed, because when, when we have our immune system in the brain, when it's, it's primed, this is when it can tip over into sort of chronic inflammation. So the endocannabinoid system is kind of preventing that sort of priming and that chronic trigger so it's again just sort of helping you know sort of the the sensing aspect if you like the environmental sensing aspect of the astrocytes 
Okay, amazing. This is definitely something I need to look up, actually. Because um, <laughs> I remember I used to work with people with MS, and there was a lot of astrocyte microglia crosstalk. Um, and that was something which hugely fascinated me, but I wasn't aware that the endocannabinoid cannabinoid system was involved in this. So this is something which I think I should dive into at a later date for sure. Absolutely. I mean, with, with MS, as you say, that sort of uh, frustrated resolution, they call it, of, of microglia, where you get that sort of that priming and that switching on and that chronic activation is, a, you know, a real sort of underlying pathway within MS and other you know, neurodegenerative processes. Um, but astrocytes, are, are, as you say, involved in that crosstalk and, and really sort of the endocannabinoid system is kind of, you know, a, a key player across that across that area. This is absolutely fascinating. Oh. <laughs> okay. I know this is why I love the brain and this is why I studied the brain way back at university and why I now just am passionate about the research you know I, I do clinical research and working with patients and you know talking to you and fellow practitioners it's it's just I love it I love the fact that we can still discover something new about our human bodies you know in in the last couple of decades it's great <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right and this is one of the reasons why i love this kind of nutritional functional medicine lifestyle medicine space is that you're just constantly learning like i learn something new every single day um which is just brilliant it just keeps me motivated okay something else which i wanted to speak to you about was this the kind of controversy that cbd has still to this very day and you mentioned this there was kind of like a a rise in CBD products on the market. Holland and Barrett sell, sells it now. And five years ago, it was it was really nowhere. You know, you couldn't really buy it on the on street shelves. And now it's in vaporizers and things of that nature. Why do you think that's changed? I think the popularity is first of all because if you get the right product with the right levels of CBD, and we will come on and talk about that, I'm sure. Yes, so absolutely. I'm talking about the right product, um, but a product that works, um, then you can see really amazing benefits. And, you know, I think, you know, again, the benefits are arising, you know, even if you're somebody, and I put myself in this category as well, that, you know, has really done an awful lot to change your health, you know, through nutrition, through lifestyle, you know, you're getting to the stage now where you really understand it very deeply. So maybe you're tweaking some, you know, sort of finer points rather than just you know removing gluten or you know whatever the uh, the, the sort of the, the aspect is and you know again the endocannabinoid system we can modulate it through diet and lifestyle but cbd is really you know sort of the, the main driver for, for providing that balance so i think that's why you know people are reporting such benefits as well because you know the endocannabinoid system can take so many knocks it's so important in our body's home stasis taking a product that is then just going to give it that little boost we're going to feel better so i think you know the the boom really was you know a lot of word of mouth i think also the fact that you know it's it's um quite controversial as you say because of the link to marijuana or, or cannabis rather mm -hmm. and uh, and thc so it automatically gets people's attention yeah. um as well and you know it, it's it's one of those products everybody has jumped on the bandwagon i think the market is worth over 300 million pounds a year now which is more than vitamin d and vitamin c combined wow, um, which is absolutely incredible and so you know that's why research and regulation is is playing catch up now because as you say there are a huge number of products on the market 
Um, and it's now sort of, again, I, I, you know, really take a role in this in helping people understand how to choose a product and to get the best product um, for, for what you need um, and, and how to use it as well, because it's not just a simple case of just whacking in a load of drops or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, taking a vape. Um, you, know, you need to balance the endocannabinoid system and not shock it into action. <laughs> so. Yeah, 100%. And we're definitely going to touch upon um, the right products in just a minute but something I, I really wanted to cover with you and it's kind of related to ms is that there was a product called sativex i believe it's sativex and that was the thc cbd blend um which i thought was extremely interesting and even though you can get some forms of medicinal cannabis in the uk it's still very restricted now and i wanted to know what your th thoughts were on it and where the kind of roadblocks are to these products being more widely available so first of all, yes, you're right. Sativex, uh, Sativex, however you'd like to pronounce it, um, is uh, it contains a one-to-one -one ratio of THC and CBD. So THC is not the bad guy. You know, I want to put it out there. It just at the moment makes a product uh, illegal if you don't carry the right regulation and the right licenses. So THC at the right levels does play a part in supporting the endocannabinoid system and therefore pain and you know other processes as well. So that's why medicinal cannabis is available. But as you say, it's available and is now Schedule 2 rather than a Schedule 1 as well. Um, you know, so they, they're sort of you know, trying to, to bring this more into the mainstream. But I think the roadblocks really is, is understanding, medical understanding. And again, this is where you know, I play a, a role you know, with a, a host of other practitioners and clinicians as well, is to really raise awareness of medicinal cannabis and mm -hmm. you know, how it can be used and the importance. So you know, really within a clinical setting, medicinal cannabis, cannabis has the roadblocks of, of misunderstanding and cost as well you know will be one of those issues but the very fact that uh, sativex has been passed by national institute of clinical excellence by nice mm -hmm. um, you know shows that you know products are safe that cbd thc is safe and also there's epidiolex as well which is a cbd only product for very specific cases of or various forms of childhood epilepsy so again it's it's kind of proven that that cbd either on its own or in a mix with thc and medicinal cannabis is a safe product um, as well to take yeah the epi epidiolex or how did you pronounce it yeah epidiolex epidiolex okay, yeah epidiolex. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the two um the, i was really interested in this product because it a it's only cbd by itself and i was thinking it's for um drug resistant epilepsy and then i was interested and, and this is how my brain works right and i, I was interested well if that works i wonder if it's through a similar mechanism to why a ketogenic diet might work in children with epilepsy because I know certain dietary interventions can modulate the endocannabinoid system um, I've not looked into this Elizabeth so maybe you can enlighten me on this whether I'm yeah. putting points together or am I completely off base because I'm quite happy to be schooled on either <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I mean I, I wouldn't put put you sort of off base I think you know you're, you're right in both senses that ketogenic diets um, in a clinical settings I mean a full ketogenic diet uh, especially in, in children you know is, is something that, that needs full clinical supervision but does have great results and actually I've you know in my clinic I've done what you could call maybe partial ketogenic diets um, so not to the, the full extent in children and seen a dramatic reduction in seizures you know just through almost sort of partial partial ketogenesis 
Um, you're right that the diet can modulate the endocannabinoid system. Um, in particular, though, it's fatty acids um, that are very important because actually anandamide, 2-AG, you know, the body's own endocannabinoids are formed from phospholipids uh, found in cell membranes. So it's, it's the sort of omega-3, omega-6 fatty acids and ratios there that are really going to influence the endocannabinoid system and, and its functions. So, you know, you could use both um you know sort of the cbd to, to modulate endocannabinoid system and ketogenic diet type approach um and you know that there i'm sure is is cross talk i i'm kind of pulling through my little sort of library rolodex <laughs> in my brain and can't sort of think of any particular papers that are, are cross-linking the two at the moment but that's not to say that that's not you know a, a potential that's there okay fantastic thank you for clearing that up when you said um omega-3 and the phospholipids, w would it be more beneficial to consume them in the phospholipid form? So through like krill oil and things of that nature or fish row, although not many people eating fish row these days, um, or just the general through fatty fish and things of that nature, oily fish, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, you've touched on a, another point that I'm passionate about, which is bioavailability of, uh, of nutrients and, and how they actually get into the body and, you know, what we're taking in terms of food and food supplements. So um, you're right that phospholipids are better absorbed um, actually through the gut. Uh, so uh, they're, they're absorbed through into the lacteal system rather than the requiring the sort of the bile and the lipase, which is the triglyceride form of fats, um, which is uh, the, the EPA and DHA, the omega-3s that are found in oily fish but you know the the body you know as long as sort of fat digestion is is you know relatively good or excellent um you know if people aren't struggling through lack of bile and, and gallbladder for example then actually you know sort of intake you know through the diet of phospholipids and, and other forms of omega-3 essential fatty acids is is going to be fine but i do recommend a krill oil if people are struggling with fat digestion i mean a good quality fish oil um again you know is is well absorbed um if we want to get very technical i would look for the uh, triglyceride form in, rather than the esterol esterified um, form the ee form uh, of fish oils so if you want to get very technical in terms of supplements um, the triglyceride form is is better absorbed um, but uh, but yeah you know i, I think you know as, as long as you know we're sort of optimizing fat digestion and it goes back to our clinical practice just doesn't it as functional medicine practitioners is that actually we're looking at the gut first first and foremost you know what's happening in the gut digestion absorption um so so yeah you know we, we need to address it from that side as well okay fantastic that's hugely interesting um maybe if we can touch upon because I, I really want to touch upon the, the kind of dietary aspect of this as well and other ways you can modulate the endocannabinoid system but one of the things I was interested in also is kind of the efficacy of CBD on other conditions that aren't, which it isn't currently prescribed for. So we've touched upon epilepsy. We've touched upon Sativex for MS. There is another drug out there, which I can't remember the name of, um, for another condition, Parkinson's, I think it is, but maybe I'm wrong. Yes, that's being looked at at the moment. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in, in the pipeline. seizure and sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering because a lot of people use it for things like anxiety and things of that nature, but it seems that the evidence, like you said before, you referenced before, is relatively lacking in this area. And I wondered what you thought of, thought of in terms of a dosage, because the, in the literature, from what I've read, it ranges from well upwards of 100 milligrams, when quite often the doses in, in supplements are, are maybe 5 to 50. 
Yeah. Again, really good points. So as I say, you know, I'm, I am a, a neuroscientist clinical researcher. So, you know, I do hold my hands up and say, you know, we've got a lot more to come in the, the clinical research arena. Um, there are, you know, preclinical studies, you know, are very solid in terms of how CBD uh, and, and, you know, maybe we'll talk when we talk about products, you know, other phytocannabinoids as well, because it's not just CBD and THC that we were talking about earlier. Um, but CBD, you know, does, you know, reduce pro-inflammatory markers and you know works within the, the gut works within the heart the brain so preclinical evidence is very solid there are some good studies um, around um, that are beginning to come out clinical studies now as well there was uh, an american group that brought out uh, last year 2019 one looking at cbd in anxiety and sleep and uh, showed that out of a group of 72 people that there was a 70 well, almost 80 percent reduction in anxiety and an almost 68 percent um, improvements in sleep quality um, so you know that would yeah I mean it, it is when you begin to compare to baseline um, <laughs> for, for these types of studies um, there's also studies looking um, at uh, arthritis as well in particular rheumatoid arthritis and, and a, a reduction in inflammatory markers within the synovial capsule uh, and uh, and the uh, the fluid there um, and uh, you know also interestingly within that study which was done in 2017 there was look at bone um, erosion and there was a reduction uh, of bone erosion, basically, within that study. So, you know, again, the potential for using CBD as part of a program to you know, support bone health as well is really huge. And I, again, I mentioned the sports arena, but, you know, working with people with early onset arthritis and, you know, a lot of bone issues, you know, this, this has, uh, has real, uh, real legs, quite literally. Um, so, so, yeah, so in terms of dosing, you're right. Um, you know, some of the studies do use um, high doses. Um, what I find clinically is that really most people are, you know, sort of kind of 40, 50 milligrams tops a day. Um, you're right in terms of dosing that, you know, really, you know, I would always recommend start low, go mm -hmm. slow with CBD because you're balancing the endocannabinoid system. So, you know, really your first doses may well be equivalent to maybe two to four milligrams of CBD a day. So, you know, that can equate to a couple of mouth sprays, for example, in a, in a lower dose product. Um, and then you're working your way up and, you know, obviously body mass size makes a difference. You know, if I'm working with a, you know, big rugby player versus myself versus, you know, a, a, you know, a, a teenager, for example, then, you know, dosing is going to be adjustable. But, you know, that's why you're starting low because you're starting and then you're balancing the endocannabinoid system. CBD allows that balance and then you can build up the dose if necessary. But clinically speaking, I'm finding most people are on between about sort of anywhere sort of 15 20 milligrams up to sort of 40 50 milligrams i personally take 15 milligrams uh, a, a day well every evening before bed for sleep and i haven't increased that dose for the last well 10 months 12 months um so you reach that ceiling benefit as well therapeutic benefit and when you say there's a the therapeutic benefit is there an effect that you're looking for obviously it relates to a number of different conditions but is it something which you can actually feel a sense of relaxation maybe you know an hour after you take it or is it something which you will feel benefits long term yeah I, everyone's different and i know this sends shivers down clinician's spine and it <laughs> used to with me as well because we, we like hard facts don't we we like to be able to tick off but you know again the reason being i think is because CBD is this elegant system of helping the body balance its own endocannabinoid system. Yeah, drugs are very blunt tools. You know, the majority of pain relievers, you know, block something.
happening and they just blanket block so that there is an immediate switch off of the inflammatory response but at the same time potentially blocking other areas as well you know like various cyclooxygenase enzymes for aspirin and creation of side effects so with CBD, because it's balancing the endocannabinoid system, um, some people experience, you know, I assume, you know, and again, you know, maybe not such a clinical world <laughs> word, but again, I have a lot of clinical experience with this, is that their endocannabinoid system is, is, you know, really needing a good balance. So people are seeing effects, you know, really quite quickly, you know, within the first few doses, you know, and, and you know, even the first dose for, for some people. And yeah, that's, you know, quite often a, a relaxation. And, you know, that's quite often a, a sense of calm, you know, maybe if it's helping to improve sleep, um, then you're going to feel better the next day as well. Mm -hmm. So I always say as a practitioner, as a clinician, expect the unexpected, you know, we might suggest that you include CBD as for part of your program to, to manage pain, say, you know, maybe a, an injury, back pain, joint pain. And, you know, people might say, oh, well, actually, I didn't feel joint pain relief straight away, but I slept so much better. So if they're sleeping better, their body's going to balance, their inflammatory response is going to, to balance out, they're not going to perceive pain as much. So, you know, again, it, it's kind of that sort of knock on effect. So for some people, there might be a direct you know, straight away, I feel less anxious. I've, I slept so much better last night. You know, I've had a lot of people reporting to me about sleeping straight away after first dose. I've had the best night's sleep I've ever had. You know, if we've got a bit of placebo effect in there as well, do you know what? That's fine by me if people mm -hmm. are getting better sleep, you know, but at the same time, you know, that carries on, you know, so it's, it's not just a placebo effect, you know, that I'm very sure. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a, a, a way of, of, you know, people will sort of see, you know, and, and perceive the, those benefits as well, that, uh, that, the, the, you know, that the, where their endocannabinoid system is balancing. That's really good to know. I guess it's making me think, A, I probably need to, to check my own dosing because I've only been playing around with, I say playing around, been using CBD. For <laughs> we research on ourselves, don't <laughs> we? We, we do research on ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, with different doses of CBD. And something which I've found also is sometimes I find it, and maybe, maybe it's something which I've not experienced enough to tell, that if I push the dose a little bit too high, I find it quite energizing is this something which um you could probably help explain or is it just something that you've heard anecdotally so you know for some people you know as i say so cbd is not a sedative for a start mm -hmm. even if you're using it for sleep you can still use it during the day to help feel relaxed it's not you know causing a sedative action um, but as you said, you know, for some people, they might get this almost, I mean, for some people, slightly hyper feeling as well, as you say, that sort of real energized feeling. I would always go back to the brand um, that you're taking, first of all, just to, to check, um, you know, any brand will be able to provide their certificate of analysis um, to show the lack of THC and the levels of CBD, um, because there are still brands on the market that, you know, maybe have slightly higher THC levels than, um, you know, the, than is legal certainly in food supplements but mm -hmm. that you know have the potential to provide a bit of a buzz obviously if it's a, a sort of you know clean brand for for want of a better phrase then you know i would sort of say that you know yeah you know you're, you're at a dose where the endocannabinoid system is you know triggering you know or, or, or you know, motivating you know sort of parts in the brain and, and energy wise so you know it's it sort of it's about finding that dose that that's right for you um, as well. And as you say, tinkering with those doses as well, but that's why it's better to, to work up 
um, rather than just to take a whacking great big dose at the beginning um, and either not feel anything because the endocannabinoid system doesn't know what to do with it um, or feel you know, anxious or a bit hyper. Okay, that's really interesting to know. Yeah, back to the drawing board, I think, for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, as I say, it's, it's good to experiment and, uh, you know, good to, good to try these out. But, you know, by starting low, you know, a couple of drops, a couple of mouth sprays, mm-hmm. um, and, and then sort of, you know, every couple of days, every three days, building up that, you know, dose by a, a one or two drops or mouth sprays, then, you know, that, you know, will, will give a sort of quite a good indication of, of what your body's needing. And I say mouth sprays because it is best absorbed under the tongue. Um, I know you can get capsules, um, but, you know, sort of, uh, again, absorption, first pass metabolism of, of CBD from the, that route does kind of knock down the levels quite a bit. You know, people still report benefits but i would always say a sublingual application is is the most profound um though you can get rubs muscle rubs joint gels and they act at the surface um, and can also provide sort of additional benefit as well okay they they just act at the surface or do they have systemic benefits because i've seen patches as well yeah i mean there is there is a, a certain amount of absorption but it's a very low you know to get into the into the circulation uh, systemically so they're more acting locally um, these types of uh, products okay very interesting and in terms of i guess this might be a question for a lot of people like vape um vape pens and things like that i think there's a lot of issues with vape pens with the chemicals involved in them but the kind of the cbd let's touch upon that primarily um what's the benefit or is there a benefit of having it in a vaporized form and if is there any negatives negative side effects yeah i mean so yes i I must say that that's also a very good route um to get cbd into the body um it is through through vaping um we've got actually a whole host of of endocannabinoid cb2 receptors uh, around the respiratory system as well but you did touch upon the uh, the the problems if you like uh, around vaping and you know i'm not really a fan uh, of vaping obviously it's you know provides health benefits or not benefits but um you know is is sort of better than the other alternative but um things like polyethylene glycol um peg um they call it popcorn lung don't they where there's um you know sort of a respiratory disease seen in popcorn workers that use these chemicals that get into the air and it's very similar with vaping um and so you know really as a route of getting cbd into the body then a mouth spray which is cbd in a median chain triglyceride or coconut oil base or maybe a hemp oil base um, is going to be sort of kind of the safest option really so so yeah vaping is an alternative um, but I, I would always stick with the oral route fantastic you mentioned athletes before um how are they using this it, well basically how are they using this is it more of a recovery element using it topically because i've seen joint and muscle mus- muscular creams which i've played around with as well i did a marathon recently and I used that on my calves and it helped a lot in terms of like tightness or certainly my perceived level of tightness and soreness. Um, but I don't know whether that was placebo or not. Well, first of all, congratulations on the marathon. Very oh, impressed. You. And uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, you can say that if you're using, you know, a CBD rub, then obviously you are, you know, massaging that area as well. So that's going to have, you know, positive you know, muscle um, benefits uh, in terms of tightness. So again, you know, there's probably a whole host of of reasons why a a CBD cream is going to be working or or, or rub. Um, But also, you know, say there are CBD receptors at the skin and at the skin surface, and there's going to be a, you know, a little bit of a 
absorption across the uh, across the uh, dermal layers. So you know there there are you know, reported benefits. There is a, a you know sort of science uh, stacking up behind that. Um, Forgotten the first part of your question. <laughs> so it was just basically how um, how athletes, athletes how do use athletes it. use yeah. it? That's right. Okay. I should stop um, asking then, multiple questions in one go. No, no, no that's fault. fine. I'm, I'm normally <laughs> I'm normally quite good at holding everything, but that just whoop, whoop, just went <laughs> off. So, yeah, so in terms of sport as well, how athletes are, are using CBD? As I say, it's it's legal, um, so that's a, a really positive side. Um, but again, taking products, you know, need to you know show that there is zero percent THC. So it's very important again that athletes, especially tested athletes or professionals that are tested as well, are getting products that show zero percent THC in there because either even the 0.2 percent has the potential to to trigger a, a drugs test. So there are products on the market that can can show that. Um, and then, you know, I find uh, the athletes that, that I work with are using CBD, certainly in recovery. Um, sleep is a very good one. You know, people are very hyper after a, a match, after their performance, you know, switching off. Um, so CBD is a very good way of just sort of calming things down. It stops the reliance on alcohol and on that side. Um, and then also in performance, um, you know, in, in terms of performance anxiety, you know, there's a, a big issue around performance anxiety um, for a lot of, of athletes that, that uh, you know, I've, I've worked with. And, you know, the pressures are huge when you're on those, you know, sort of national and international stages. So again, CBD can be used just to help, you know, have that calm feeling and, and, and regain that focus and clarity. And then, of course, actually, just going back to the recovery side is that pain reduction uh, mm -hmm. and, and reduce a reduction of inflammation. So, you know, I know of athletes that are, have totally come off um, pain relievers and very strong pain relievers as well. And are now solely using CBD and, and their sort of lifestyle approaches to, to manage, uh, you know, injury and, and longer term injury um, associated pain. But I think also what's interesting, you know, for, for everybody, but in the sports arena as well, is that there's a lot of research now coming into how uh, CBD can help tissue repair. So again, you know, in the performance side, you know, there's a reduction of uh, oxidative stress. So this is very important in a peripheral level at a tissue level. But when we're talking head injuries, you know, things like, um, you know, sort of the, the acute concussion, head injuries, but also the CTEs as well, the chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathies that we're seeing in a lot of contact sports. So again, in the States, there's been a lot of work now, certainly in CBD, but actually bringing medicinal cannabis um, into uh, the, um, the baseball league, into the NFL, the National Football League yeah. as well. Um, so hopefully we will see a sort of translation of that across into the UK as well, because you know, there's no doubt that head injuries, we're seeing some of the older generation of footballers now dying from dementias. Obviously, the, the rugby world um, that, that I work in is, is you know, sort of rife with concussion and head injuries. So if we've got something again that can work at a tissue level reducing inflammation the oxidative stress then you know it could be a very powerful tool that's incredibly interesting to know um I, I was reading a lot recently about the tbis in american football and how they're having long-term effects in terms of their mental health to do with these um kind of post the event years afterwards so it'd be interesting to see if cbd would have some form of benefit there Absolutely. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a, a huge 
problem and you know certainly in the states you know we'll talk about the the research that's done there you know the reliance then of you know really strong opioid based painkillers and as you say you know we, we get the mood changes we get addiction um into uh, these well highly addictive painkillers the opioid based ones and you know all of the problems that ensue there so yeah they're, they're doing a lot of work in the states now around cbd and medicinal cannabis to uh, to help in that area so as i say i would like to think that we could translate and, and move that research across into the uk um, sooner rather than later and i'm certainly on the case <laughs> brilliant this is great okay in terms of the endocannabinoid system is there other ways to modulate it so we kind of touched upon diet which i want to revert back to but whilst we're on the exercise does that modulate it in one way or another because that obviously has a huge hormonal effect yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, you know, there, there's no sort of hard and fast evidence at the moment, to, you know, taking measurements in, in this area. Um, but I would say, you know, if you're getting the right amount and right level and right type of exercise for you, so you're pushing yourself enough, but you're not tipping yourself over into chronic stress, um, then yes, you're going to be balancing your endocannabinoid system, um, because you're going to be, you know, sort of, you know, it will have to be working to, to provide that homeostasis. But at the same time, you're going to be strengthening, you know, your body's resistance. So yes, it's, it's going to have an impact. And then maybe we can revert straight back to diet, because I know there's certain things which actually contain these endocannabinoids, like chocolate with... <laughs> <laughs> yes, my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Was that andamide? Am I saying that right? Anand anandamide. Anandamide, okay, which is that bliss molecule. Is there anything else within chocolate, or what are the benefits of that molecule itself? And is there any other chemicals which are beneficial? Yeah, so this, I promise, isn't the reason why I got into the endocannabinoid system, because I'm an absolute <laughs> chocolate fiend, dark chocolate, raw chocolate fiend. But I was really, you know, sort of pleased to, to find out uh, that dark chocolate contained anandamide, which is the one of the endocannabinoids in the body. So, you know, we can directly eat these endocannabinoids. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I don't drink caffeine I, I don't have other stimulants in my diet so I find actually that, that raw chocolate and dark chocolate does provide me with quite a boost and and you know I, I do feel good after eating it and you know it's, it's not the sugar because I have the super low sugar or no sugar ones so I do think that there is that sort of boost um, around that as well so so certainly uh, raw chocolate or raw cacao um, is uh, contains an antamide um, another very good one and and you know again what we're probably you know already recommending recommending this um, as a practitioner as well because there are various herbal remedies that uh, contain anandamide in particular and echinacea is one of those so again at this time of year maybe we're looking for extra immune support uh, but echinacea is also containing anandamide so there are certainly things that we can use within the diet maybe within you know some of our sort of food supplement areas um, to be supporting the endocannabinoid system as well. So we touched upon omega-3 chocolate echinacea is there other dietary things that people might be having on a daily basis which may be beneficial as well well, I think, you know, on an indirect basis as well, you know, people are going to be supporting the endocannabinoid system. So rather than sort of directly taking on board endocannabinoids, then, you know, the, the types of whole food diets, the, the, the approach that we take within our sort of lifestyle practice is going to be supporting the endocannabinoid system. So, yes, I think really, you know, the more that we can do with our diet, the more we're going to provide balance in that area had a question which is are all cbd products created equal and you mentioned they're not maybe you can dive into a little bit more why that's the case and maybe what brands you recommend also 
Yeah, of course. The the CBD is is you know as we've said a really booming market, and so there's all sorts of products and imitation products out there. So first and foremost, I would say you want to choose a brand that has the certificate of analysis that shows each and every batch exactly what's in the CBD um, side. So. We mentioned uh, that it's not just CBD. There are other phytocannabinoids as well. Obviously, we want to avoid the THC in a food supplement product, and especially if you're a tested professional athlete, then 0% to THC. Um, but you can get different types of products. So there are what we call full-spectrum products. Um, so they contain CBD uh, as well as other extracts from the hemp plants, other phytocannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, um, which all have the potential to, to work together um, and, uh, and to provide the effect. So CBD is, is one of the sort of the main active components in there. And the full spectrum will contain less than 0.2% THC. So there will be that sort of trace THC present. But you can also get CBD isolate products that are coming on the market now as well. So they contain just the CBD extract from the hemp plants. And, you know, really the reason being is that they are obviously going to be totally clean, if you like, for, for tested professionals and athletes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so just containing CBD because actually WADA, the World Anti-Doping Authority, they're a little bit... Um, um, you know, it's a bit of a grey area as to how they feel or how they perceive other phytocannabinoids other than CBD. So, you know, for tested professionals, they might actually want to avoid all the other phytocannabinoids, the so CBN, CBG, CBDA, there's a whole host of them, and just take CBD. So the CBD isolate products can be quite useful from that point of view. Um, so in terms of, you know, choosing your product, you want to go to a, a trusted brand, one that can provide that, that testing uh, knowledge, maybe that they've also, not even maybe, that they have got their products uh, third party tested as well, which is very important um, so that, you know, they're not just doing in-house testing and uh, wanting to find what they want to, to find. Um, the brands that I do recommend is 4.5CBD. So those are the, the words 4.5CBD.co.uk. The reason being is they the brand is, is owned by um, uh, England rugby players, England and Welsh rugby players, and therefore they want the cleanest product and the product that is going to work. So they provide all of the certification. They have a, a great range of products uh, that have you know I've, I've seen clinically in action, both in professional athletes uh, through to uh, within my clinic, uh, other clinic areas as well. So you know again, it's about you know understanding you know the, the product types and i would always say you know start with the mouth spray or, or drops um, you can, can get the product in and start low so start with the sort of 500 milligram or thousand milligram product and then you can work your way up once you've got the dose you want and of course you can then you know sort of half the dose if you're taking double the amount so that uh, you can save money so you know you can kind of work your way up as well but check out the, the four five range four five cbd they've got uh, a host of sort of muscle rubs um, and um, pro what they call their pro range which is a zero percent thc um, and third party tested uh, by bscg which is the banned substance control group so they test for over 400 products including thc um, so these are super clean products <laughs> i was just thinking about this and it was to do with the um oh, what was it you know when you said you have an, uh, a question that floats away that's yes. exactly what's happened. No, no, it's back. It's back. It's back. <laughs> so it was about um, drug nutrient interactions, or is there any drug interactions with CBD that people need to be aware of? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Ben. And uh, yes, there is. Um, but first of all, I would like to, to put it out there that while CBD does interact with the liver enzymes, which are responsible for groups of drug metabolism, and I'll come back to which drug groups uh, those are. So I'm talking about the liver CYP450 enzyme groups. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would say is that this is not unusual you know I, I sometimes this is used to kind of sort of show that cbd isn't safe or that a lot of people shouldn't be taking it but actually you know cbd is a natural plant nutrient and a lot of plant nutrients in the foods that we eat maybe in herbal remedies that we're taking as well do interact with these liver enzyme groups as well so it's not just cbd this shouldn't be used as a reason to you know sort of not take cbd or say it's dangerous it's an, a natural plant nutrient interaction interaction. That said, um, yes, CBD does interact with certain of these groups. Um, and the sort of major groups of drugs um, that, that are metabolized by the P450 enzymes that CBD interacts with are groups of sort of antihypertensives, uh, warfarin, certainly some of the, the blood thinners, the anticoagulants, mm -hmm. uh, certain um, antidepressants as well. Um, so, you know, we, we do need to be aware of this as clinicians. There is one particular safety study, though, which um, is a very useful one, which has shown, though, that um, this was actually done back in 2013 um, by, uh, by Stott uh, Group. And that showed that it was more than 50 milligrams of CBD daily that has the potential to interact with these enzyme groups. Um, so really what I find, as I say, is, is the majority of people that I work with are taking less and quite considerably less than 50 milligrams daily. And in fact, you know, there are current guidelines um, which recommend no more than 70 milligrams of CBD daily. This isn't wholly rooted in science, um, but, you know, I kind of get that, you know, they want to be putting on, you know, sort of levels of, of, of sort of safety uh, on, onto food supplement labels. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, so what I would say as a, as a clinician or somebody that is already on maybe a drug um, is to, you know, sort of investigate it, you know, say you feel free to contact myself, look into, um, you know, the, the information um, that, that's available, um, but that you can take CBD, you know, at lower levels with certain drugs that are there. I mean, it's not my remit. I, I don't hold, you know, sort of GMC, um, you know, level sort of certification qualification. So, you know, it's not within my functional medicine practitioner remit to suggest people ever remove their, the, the drugs from, from their regimes. Um, but, you know, I do know of people that have worked with their medical clinicians to, you know, sort of dovetail uh, and reduce down off, off medications, you know, pain medications, for example, or anti-anxiety, you know, anxiolytic medications um, to, to sort of use CBD as a natural alternative. And I, you know, say I've worked with a lot of athletes, um, professional athletes that now solely use CBD and lifestyle to manage their, you know, sort of inflammatory pain um, that they've experienced. Is there potential for people to take CBD and have an adverse reaction? There, no, I mean, the safety profile is excellent. So it wouldn't be passed by NICE um, if it wasn't. It's not recommended in pregnancy or breastfeeding because it's just simply not the understanding or the data that's there. Um, again, sort of anecdotally, people have reported quite vivid dreams. You know, maybe if they, I mean, I must say if I, <laughs> there was one night when I double dosed um, because I, I forgot I took a dose <laughs> um, and I, there were some really strong dreams. I mean, it, it wasn't a problem, but it was just like, woof, when I woke up in the morning, that was quite, full on um oh. you know i mean much higher doses you know i mean in some of the studies so the um sleep and anxiety study um there were three people that reported um mild diarrhea um but 
again, they were on like 150 milligrams. Um, right. Yeah. So that's much higher than you would ever, ever recommend then. Well, it is, but then they also, they take capsule form. So, you know, that, that study was using capsules rather than, than oral dosing. So, you know, the absorption w would have an issue. I mean, some of the studies are saying it's, it's as little as sort of 10, 15% you absorb through the gut. So, you know, if, if that's the case, that's why some of the higher doses are used in the studies if they're using capsules. Um, but no, generally speaking, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very safe. Um, you know, the, the, the toxicity studies, all of that show, show good safety profile. Fantastic. And, and that's really interesting that you say that because I've been taking 25 milligram capsules now for, I think, two, three weeks. Um, and I think that's a pretty good dose for me because like, I, I feel like I'm having a good benefit from that. But before that, when I was talking about being energized, it was, I, was, I was taking the the drops underneath the tongue. And because you've you've you know explained why it's more bioavailable, I'm thinking maybe I took too many of those, and that's the reason why I was feeling a little bit more energized, almost hyper, like you suggested, and it was quite hard to get to sleep. Um, it's just interesting that you made that connection. Just moving on to the last three questions that I ask every single person that comes on the show, with the first one being, how do you think healthcare can become more integrated with the kind of modalities that we've discussed today? Well, I think, firstly, we need to consider the endocannabinoid system more. Uh, I think that as practitioners, we are taught, um, especially, you know, in, in lifestyle or functional medicine approach, you know, we're certainly taught about, you know, cardiovascular system, the central nervous system, the immune system, and, you know, we put all of that together. But what we don't do is consider the endocannabinoid system. And hopefully what I've done today is really illustrate, you know, quite how important it is and quite how we can go about effectively modulating and regulating it. So I think in terms of enhancing our practice and our clinical practice, then incorporating the endocannabinoid system into our practice is only going to make it better. Fantastic. And hopefully everyone can hear the, the slight hum of someone chopping a tree down outside. So we'll, <laughs> we'll continue though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> the second question is, um, what is the most impactful health change that you have made in your life and why? Well, it's an interesting one. And I was thinking about this. And I think probably the, the, the biggest change was when I discovered the benefits of nutritional medicine. So that's not to say that I've, I did one thing and then stuck with it, because, of course, with the studying that I've done now, uh, my nutritional medicine degree and going on and, and with my functional medicine clinic, I do many different things with my diet now and tinker. Um, but I would say actually really beginning to understand the power of food and the power of, of what I was eating and when I was eating it as well um, has made the biggest difference to my health uh, overall. So, so I would always urge people to just keep on learning about themselves and about what foods work and what don't work and, and the timing of eating. And that's really going to, to have benefits as, as you move through. And just to add to that, I've actually done a, uh, an elimination diet whilst we've been in lockdown. Um, and discovered some foods which I didn't realize I had a little bit of a problem with. The third question, um, can you please provide the listeners with three tips to help improve your health and well-being from today? Of course. Well, first of all, I would say have a think about your endocannabinoid system. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it might be that CBD is something that you want to, to add in. Uh, you know, again, I'm not saying that it's something for everybody necessarily, but, you know, 
certainly what I've talked about today has kind of illustrated the, the many areas that, that CBD and or the endocannabinoid system is involved in. So I would really say, you know, have a think around that area. Um, in terms of, you, you know, using CBD, but also sleep is absolutely key. You know, I mean, I, I always say it's the quality of sleep that you're getting is really important. So I would always say to people, you know, have a think about, you know, what you're doing to get better quality sleep. So, you know, if that's switching off your phones, you know, an hour before bed, so you're not mentally exerting yourself, if that's getting a better bedtime routine, if that's adding CBD into the mix to, to help, uh, you know, to get a better quality of sleep. Because if we can sleep better, and I'm not necessarily saying sleeping for longer, it's the quality of sleep that's important to how we feel when we wake up, then that's going to have a positive knock-on effect um, to all other areas of our health as well. And kind of along the, those lines is, you know, really think about ways of, you know, sort of managing stress. So, you know, my, my sort of third tip is to look, you know, either at meditation, and I sometimes call that the M word because people are a little bit unsure if it's for them, um, <laughs> but certainly incorporating maybe a, a breathing exercise um, into your sort of daily routine because, you know, there's a lot of evidence to show that if we regulate our in and out breath, we slow our breathing down, then actually we're providing such an important balance and stress reduction um, to, to ourselves so I would you know really say investigate what works for you whether it's simple breathing exercises something like the calm app for example or, or whether you want to sort of try full-blown meditation and uh, you know try try that side where you're, you're spending a few minutes of a day just being quiet but I think combining those things together better quality sleep calming our nervous system balancing our endocannabinoid system is really going to set you up well, Elizabeth, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak to me. But before you go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you and what exciting projects you have coming up? Of course. Well, it would be lovely if you wanted to join me via social media. I, my Instagram is at Dr. Elizabeth Phillips. It's Elizabeth with an S, but I'm sure you'll find me coming up. Um, and you can join me on my CBD adventures because I like to, to post a lot around um, CBD and neuroscience and gut brain access. So you know, hopefully you can join me there. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Dr. Phillips. So but feel free to direct message me, contact me through those channels and uh, I will get back to you and uh, we will be able to, to, you know, sort of find out more about CBD and the endocannabinoid system. And in terms of exciting projects, um, I'm always uh, doing a lot of research around the endocannabinoid system and CBD. So I've got a, a couple under wraps at the moment, but all will be revealed next year. So I would just say, watch this space, join me via social media and uh, I look forward to being able to share even more about the endocannabinoid system with you coming up. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you again, and I do hope that we can do this again soon. You too, Ben. Thanks very much for having me on. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook or our website and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support. 